0: Hi, welcome to My Creativity. This is a podcast about being creative and producing output. I'm your host, Surrey. I'm going to reveal how I work, my projects, my process, my creativity. From the planning and goal setting to how I stay accountable for my output, to the way ideas pop into my head and to the frameworks I use to stimulate my creativity and formalize it. Each week, I go over my previous goals, and at the end of the episode, I provide some new goals that I intend to achieve. So let's get into the last episode's goals. Finding a place to write. It may seem strange, and I didn't think it would be the case, but being stuck in my house and working from home, I actually find it very difficult to find a place to write. Even though 8 o'clock, the wife takes the kids off to school and I'm in the house all by myself, I find it very easy to be distracted by everything else. I'm doing dishes, I'm making bread, I'm tidying and cleaning, I'm playing computer games, I'm thinking about ideas of stuff to do, but I'm not writing, and I want to be writing. I have an appointment to go at 8 o'clock in the morning to a co-working location. It's quite fortunately where I am. Such things are available. Uh, This place that I'm looking at, they've got like a free try period, so I'm going to go in there and, and try it out for, like, a, a couple of hours here and there, but the pricing, and I think it's somewhat subsidized by the local council, because it's $10 a month for 10 hours a month, so it's like about two hours, or thereabouts, a week for 10 bucks, I mean, that's fantastic bargain. So if this place works out, 10 bucks a month, two hours a week, i be able to go in there, you know, two days each week and if that's sort of going okay and I want to see how returning to work comes about then I might step that up to $35 a month which is 10 hours per week. I'm hoping to find sort of a, an office where I can work away from home and not be distracted by all of the things that happen at home. Investigating writing meetup at the library. I've actually started looking to that and I'm going along to uh, writing meetup up in Perth tomorrow after work and then I'm also, I'm intending, maybe not the library, maybe the make place, maybe this co-working place Um, be a good spot. Photo shoot. Yes, I did photo photoshoot. Uh, you can see some of the photos. I've checked them up on the website. You'll see them on uh, yeah, Facebook. Um, Very nice. Also, I'm not sure I mentioned it, but I got to interview a Netflix director. His name was Hamad al-Saraf. He's a Kuwaiti writer-director. He produced, uh, wrote and directed the film In Paradox. It's his first uh, feature-length film. And it was filmed in uh, Iran. Yeah, primarily Iran. Uh, He... He was fantastic. He got in touch and he said he listened to the show and he really liked it, so we got him on for an interview. You can hear that on Space Brains. That's being released the same time as this episode, in fact. And there's something rather special about being able to watch a movie and have your own thoughts about it and then talk to the guy behind it to find out what the intention was, what his direction was, why certain choices were made and how it all came to be, and it it really enhances the film. It's fantastic. So, the future. That's what I'm talking about today. So traditionally, books have been physical, tangible objects, and this has given them a certain scarcity based on the size of the print run and their popularity. It's the reason first editions of famous and popular books are expensive, but not so much anymore. Welcome to the 21st century. Novels, short stories, and reference works are now available in electronic format, and since it is trivial to reproduce an e-book as often as you'd like with absolute precision, is there any value derived from scarcity? No. No. So what can be done? In the music world, the idea of selling a recording is an entirely modern idea. Do you think Mozart went to Abbey Road Studios and knocked out a couple of symphonies for sale at HMV? Or do you think the troubadours and entertainers of the Middle Ages went to their local radio station for an interview to announce the launch of their new chart-topping album? I can guarantee the caveman who banged two stones together, that's the first rock music, had no thought of going double platinum. So along comes recordings, and in particular radio and television, and suddenly music is something that gets recorded and sold as physical stock. Scarcity drove the price because making accurate and convenient recordings was beyond the ability of most people. So if you wanted the music, You had to go to the shop and buy it. Now, with the introduction of music compression, the internet, broadband, music is no longer scarce. So how do artists make money? The same way they always have. They perform. That's all well and good for musicians. But what about authors? So some bright spark looking at all the trees and wondering where the forest was, decided that to fix the problem, the lack of scarcity, they needed to cripple their product. Could you imagine it if when you bought your car, your DNA was sampled so that only you could drive it, and you could never trade it or lend it to anyone else without first going back to the dealer to get the DNA sample changed? And what if you bought a new book where all the pages went blank, If anyone looked over your shoulder. It would make it necessary for people to buy their own copy of the book or their own car. But who is it supposed to inconvenience? Copy protection protection hampers the legitimate purchaser. That's the end of that story. So why do you want to alienate your customers? They paid for your work. Surely you want to make life difficult for the people who are not paying. Yes, yeah, so digital rights management is a good way to stick it to your paying audience because I can assure you the pirates will step around your protection and once they have, they will copy as many times as they want and are not inconvenienced at all. So much so, there are people who buy the original work and then only use the pirated version. I've done this myself. I've bought uh way back it's one of the civilization games like maybe three and it was when you needed to keep the dvd in your drive in order to play it the problem is that's fun when you only have one game you want to play but if you play three different games every time you try to fire out the, the game you've got to open up your disc swap your flight your discs around put them back in uh and sometimes the disk get corrupted, and it wouldn't work anymore. And then you can't access your game. You've got to get a you know, ah. So what I would do is simply go and get the cracked version. So I've got the DVD sitting there, and I've installed off the DVD, but then I buy the crack. Uh, then I just copy the crack, which removes the copy protection. So I paid good money for this product, which I found it difficult to use. And it only became convenient when I used the illegal copied version. So do you know what I did when Civilization Four came out? I, I think you can put two and two together. So what can an author do? So I think the only way forward is to assume that once produced, the value of possessing your work rapidly approaches zero. Musicians can demand money for their performance because if you want to see the Rolling Stones live, you can only see the Rolling Stones live. You can't get a copy. An author needs to sell a service that is more attractive or that can't be copied in the same way that a tribute band can't command the same money for the original. So enter the concept of Bas Books as a Service. So Amazon is heading that way with Kindle. Uh, They've got Kindle Unlimited, for example. If you read one book a week and you only buy the $1 books, how different is that from paying $4 a month as a subscription and just being told you can read as much as you want? I mean, in reality, you're only reading one book a week anyway. But you need to add a bit more to it than that because anyone can offer your workers' content on a subscription service. So you have to make people want to use your subscription. An interactive community is the next piece you could add. You know, authors' insights and commentary, fanfic, sandbox, that sort of thing. Could one author demand enough interest to go it alone? Some maybe, but most can't. I mean, have you ever seen a flyer for a local live venue where four or five bands are listed as playing for just one low price? So what if a bunch of, say, ten science fiction authors, each with their own flavour, put together a service? Could the promise of short stories, opinion pieces, novels, and serials from ten half-decent storytellers convince you to part with a couple of dollars a month? A place where you could discuss the stories, predict future technologies, talk with other fans about what might be coming next, and where amateur filmmakers could create short sci-fi films. i mean, sure they'd be worth a couple of bucks. So, would it be easy? Of course, of course not. Ask any author, published or unpublished, if it has ever been easy. And think about your own job. I would say. Almost no one sits back for an hour every other day, answers a couple of emails, and earns a stack of cash. Money is equal to effort, and that effort can be in the form of manual labor, or in the form of risk-taking, or whatever, but it is never easy. If you're thinking that you can make a living in writing by writing a novel and having it be a bestseller with a movie and TV show franchise, you probably also buy lottery tickets as a form of retirement planning. And maybe, maybe next week, next time I'll talk about the next step, companion applications. But I won't talk about that just now. So that's what I'm thinking here. And I've recently got in contact with a couple of people, as you do, who have been likewise thinking similar thoughts where... As a creative person, you want to be able to get in touch with people who recognize creative value. And as a consumer of creative products, that's, you know, books, stories, movies, music, whatever, you want to be able to find the stuff you like and you want to be able to encourage the people that create it. And I say encourage as opposed to pay because I consume a lot of content for which I'd be happy to encourage the creators, but for which I'm unwilling to pay. And I think maybe, maybe if I can figure out why I'm that way, I can make something really work. So anyway, on my Discord server at the moment, I've got a couple of people that I'm talking to about these sorts of things. We're going to do a bit of brainstorming and see what we can come up with. So next week's goals or the next my next set of goals i got to fix book 1 so i'm going back to fixing book 1 i hopefully i'll be doing that from this new writing location and i'm going to record some marketing audio and video my wife has given me a few ideas on how to engage people more and how to provide a bit more value and a bit more interest and once i've got book 1 sort of fixed um i'm going to push that a little bit further there uh there's the only two goals i'm going to do because i'm still you know head down bum up doing home renovations to try and sell my house so i've got garden beds to do yet i've got a fly screen to fix i've got a backyard to get in order i've got some trees to prune and weeds to pull and other bits and pieces but I hope I've given you something to think about when it comes to the future of books uh, and creative entertainment in general. Let me know what you think. You can get in touch at Gravity Undone on Twitter or, sorry, at gravityundone.net and see ya.